0: Welcome to the 5G Guys Podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore
1: all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith.
0: Hey, welcome to the 5G Guys Podcast. I'm Wayne Smith. With my co host Dan McVaugh.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Forea, another special episode, uh, Flash Pod. This is our second Flash Pod. Um, we did one back in November, if you've been listening um, on the topic of the 5G and aviation interference hubbellude that's been going on. Um, you've probably all seen it in the press. I can tell you that Wayne and I collectively have been getting a ton of questions from people about this on a personal level, on a business level. Everyone's reaching out to us, asking us what's this all about is it real so we thought let's do another follow-up flash pod to the one we did in november so um wayne and i are in the in the studio so to say working on season two which will be coming out um here in another month or so but in the meantime uh let's uh let's talk about um, all these questions we're getting wayne from people that are reaching out to us and kind of our take on the latest and greatest since our our last flash pod on the topic what do you say
0: yeah great I mean um, it's good to be in a new year hey, good to do you know start our second season here in a few weeks but yeah it's a it's an interesting topic where me and you you know we thought it was going to be something we knew but we didn't I don't know that I realized how big it was going to blow up and how you know many people independents would have different views on what five g is with the f a a. Most of my requests have been, you know, from friends or family just wanting to say, is it safe to fly with 5G? You know, like that kind of thing, more about personal safety. And, you know, with everything that's happened in the last few years, I think personal safety is at the top of everyone's forefront. So I'm looking forward to jumping in, see what you have to say about it. Uh, you always have a good insight from the design side and the RF side. And let's jump right in.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. I, I think the, the biggest thing that's jumped out to me on this is, you know, in, in my, my career in the industry, there's been a lot of instances where the FCC reallocated spectrum from an old use or a, a non-use into a new use for the wireless telecom industry, and that spectrum was auctioned off, and this is the first time I can recall in my 28-plus years that this sort of thing happened, where that spectrum was allocated. Carriers wanted to start using it, and then this sort of uh, disagreement came into place, where the the allocation of that spectrum, the use of that spectrum, was was basically halted or, or impacted. Um, so this is this is really unique in my experience. Um, you know, there's going back to 600 megahertz, 700 megahertz, PCS, AWS. I know, I'll throw a lot of acronyms out there, but these are all frequency bands that have been in existence since the start of 2G through 3G and 4G that, you know, every time that that reallocation happened, the FCC, the carriers, the incumbents that were using that spectrum before sort of peacefully worked together to resolve any technical issues and, and, you know, deployment went off without a hitch. So this is pretty unique for me. So it took me a little bit of time to start digging past what you see on the press and digging into what's really going on behind the scenes. So it's been interesting for sure. And I think there's still a lot more I need to, to learn about it. But, uh, I tell you in the last three to four weeks, um, I've learned a lot more about what's really going on behind the scenes, which is uh, pretty interesting actually.
0: Well, I think a good thing just to rehash out. So ever, you know, anyone jumping in for the first time is, tell us what the disagreement's about, you know, sure. and what, 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 you know, where, 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 are they now coming together?
1: Sure. Yeah. So in, in, in an effort to uh, make more spectrum available, so like uh, you know, going back to way back to our cellular one-on-one, I don't know, episode two or three, we did way back in last summer where we talked about, you know, technology has to work with spectrum. It's sort of like cars have to have roads and more spectrum means more lanes on the road. So you can do more. Right more cars, faster cars, same thing here. And so in that effort, um, over the last, you know, 30 years, and especially the last, uh, five to 10 years, there's been a lot of work, not just in the United States, but globally to find unutilized spectrum or underutilized spectrum and reallocate it for the purposes of 4g and 5g. So that, more capacity could be built into these networks and more capabilities to to feed the demand, the global demand, right? Wireless is is huge, right? Everybody and their brother is using wireless and um, IoT devices in the billions, right? So um, a, as part of that process, what specifically one of the efforts that was done globally was to take this band of spectrum, um, which is just below um, four gigahertz, Um and is underutilized and make it available for 5G, and this was done globally. And starting at 4.2 gigahertz and up to, I think it's 4.4, this is a band that's used for radio altimeters on aircraft globally. So these radio altimeters are used so that as they're approaching the land to land, um, they can be alerted if, you know, how close the ground is, basically, in a nutshell. And this new band of spectrum that was allocated or for 5G right below it Um, There was concerns about, you know, would the two interfere with each other being right next to each other? So think of it about like, like two FM radio stations. If your radio and the broadcast towers were not engineered correctly, you might actually hear two radio stations at the same time while you're driving down the road. Right. Same sort of this, sort of the analogy of the concern that the being right next to each other, there could be spillover from one end to the other. And that spillover could be caused by, the 5G site transmitting in such a way that it's transmissions are going outside of, you know, out of the, 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 the band, band, like out out of the, uh, out of the guardrail of the road, so to say, right. Going Mm -hmm. off the road into the, into the road next to them. And, or it could be because of the altimeters not having good filters where they're listening to too much, listening to more than what they're supposed to be listening to listening outside of their band or it could be a combination of the two, right? So that's sort of technically the foundation for the concerns. And there was tons and tons of research and papers and studies and working groups that occurred starting clear back in 2012, all the way Hold that thought for a minute. Yeah, yeah.
0: I want to clarify one thing for most people out there. This is, airplanes have more than one altimeter. So this is the backup to a redundancy in the airplane. And so I think it's important for people listening is the planes are so much safer than they ever were. We're not relying on one piece of gear to land the plane. Right. A lot of times this is an autopilot. So for listeners out there, your planes have multiple systems in redundancy in order to have a safe flying experience. And historically over, over the years, flight safety is like, I mean, Yeah, accidents happen, but very few and far between compared to what there was. So I just wanted to bring that in there before we went forward is that planes have more than one altimeter and they're using multiple systems to land the plane, fly the plane, et cetera.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And my understanding is these specific systems that are of concern are used predominantly when you have like loss of visible, visible runway uh, acquisition by the pilot or something i'm not a aviation expert so that's that's what i've been able to understand is that what's that's what this system helps with like in foggy conditions things like that right
0: Yeah, exactly and i think one of the things that why, why all of a sudden i think a lot of things with the boeing 737 i think 737 max mm-hmm. those type of issues um have now put a more heightened awareness on um, I'd say software-based issues or you know, tools within the airplane. A lot of the um, a lot of the planes that do have these are Boeing planes, and there's some mm-hmm. Airbus from what I've read. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what's heightened it. You know, the Max issues that we've had and everybody's heard about in the last few years in the grounding of the Boeing airplanes. And so, um, I just think it's important to bring that up that they do have multiple systems to fly the plane
1: okay cool yeah thanks for bringing that up i appreciate that because i'm not that familiar with what's going on on the uh, on the aircraft themselves although i have learned a little bit through the research over the last couple of months that um, this actually doesn't just apply to commercial aircraft by the way it also applies to military aircraft helicopters for example so there's these different categories of of these altimeters right there's a category one two and three so for example the defense department has all these avionics including Category 3 helicopters, right, that are used by you know the Army and the Air Force. They are also part of this analysis and part of this study. And what, what I think is interesting, and this is a good segue into what I've learned, is what, what really happened was the FCC typically does this. They create a working group. They create task force. Those task force are made up of individuals from all parties that come together, and they say, okay, let's study this. It's typical. It's how it always goes down, and it went down this way this time as well. But what's interesting this time, what happened was that working group came back to the FCC in 2020 and said, "Hey, we had a great exchange of information. All parties were very transparent. They shared information back and forth. They all have adequate information to make their conclusions. However, and this is the uniqueness, at this time, we're not able to produce a consensus by all parties on, you know, yes or no, is this safe to move forward as is?" that's the first time that I'm aware of and there's, there may be others, but, um, and so that working group, that task group basically did not, I guess, resolve the differences of opinion from all sides on the matter. Um, and that's a first that I'm aware of. And so since 2020, um, this has been out there and the, the lack of agreement on or consensus on whether it's safe to move forward or not never has been addressed. And so now here we are, on the date of reckoning when the, the companies Verizon AT&T and others that spent tens of billions of dollars in spectrum and were promised that they could use that on a certain date are now having to resolve this conflict now. So it was almost like a game of chicken in, in some ways, like both sides just agreed they weren't going to agree and it didn't get resolved. And now here we are.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I've read that, they, Verizon went ahead and I know for a fact they turned their network up, their 5G. It happened last week, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the you know the speeds I think is pretty um, powerful. You know We're talking for, I think the speed test that I seen was 460 megabits on your mobile. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different user experience, not only for, for the consumer out there, but for business applications, 5G applications. So I think it's pretty exciting that they're going to do it. Interesting fact that I read. You know, there's 440,000 aircraft in existence in the world. Two hundred, about 200,000 are in the U.S. It is a lot of airplanes, and there's a lot of, you know, I guess concern around it. But I think um, what we definitely can acknowledge, and to your point, normally there's been, you know, how do you move new technology forward, and You know, be respectful for the people who have existing technology, because we're always going to come up with improvements that, that alter the way we used to do things. Mm -hmm. I mean, wouldn't you agree? I mean, the whole 3G, I think it's really important is that 3G, and when did we start that? I mean, was that at the beginning of the 2000s?
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. We're just early to mid 2000s. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're getting ready just to turn that down at the end of this year. So what a lifespan, you know, with I mean, with uh, just the technology and how long we have to keep legacy systems in play in order to make sure the consumer is taken care of.
1: Right. Yeah. So I think yeah. your point, which I agree with, is that if you look at this holistically, figuring this out is to the benefit of all parties, right? Yeah. Um, the advancement of the technology that 5G brings to the table is not going to just benefit the carriers and You know, there's, as a matter of fact, one of the things that it's interesting that I learned, Wayne, is at the same time this was going on, the aeronautics industry was also working on deployment of a new wireless system on board all of the commercial aircraft called, um, let's see what what was the acronym, it's WAIC, Wireless Avionics Intra Communications. And what that is, that's an effort to replace wired services within the aircraft, i.e., Um, a a user, a passenger, right? Using entertainment on the aircraft, using some sort of wired mechanism and or other operations on the aircraft with wireless. And so they had to study their own self-induced interference to these same avionics systems. And that was going on at the same time as these studies were going on. And so I think that's really interesting. Like once again, like they're so related that solving this problem solves more problem than just the problem that is facing AT&T and Verizon. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. The other thing that I found to be really interesting is the defense department. It's come out. Um, I just saw this morning, as a matter of fact, the defense department basically concluded after 2000, when there was an agreement to disagree or there was not a a consensus, the defense department just said, you know what, we're just going to take all our systems and we're going to defensively work on them and engineer them to make sure that they reject any potential interference from 18 team Verizon. And so for the last two years, the Defense Department's just been saying, hey, we'll, we'll fix it on our own. We'll fix our systems to make sure they're more robust, which I thought was really interesting to learn. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and if more information comes out about that in the weeks to come. But um, yeah, it's, we're at an interesting point. And, and by the way, Verizon did deploy their 5G network, but they did so with some guard ban, right? So they're not utilizing the full amount of Spectrum when they're close Mm -hmm. to airports and also with certain sites around certain airports, not on air and or operating at less than full capacity or capability to create some physical guard around some of those airports as well. So they're, they're basically working somewhat hampered with their full capabilities near airports right now.
0: Yeah. I thought I've seen the buffer was like two miles from it's interesting in their rollout and Verizon specifically, they've announced they're going to do 1700 cities. I mean, that is a vast amount of the whole country and it's coming fast. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's a interesting one. I think for listeners out there um, with the heightened rhetoric that's in the world, you know, just in general, sometimes we get worked up about different topics. This is just like others. They'll work out, they'll come up with, you know, there's been 40 other countries have already deployed 5G. So we're not the first in this technology and they've, we've not had a single accident in those countries related Mm to a 5g altimeter issue. Mm -hmm. So it tells you there's work around to be done. There's work to be done, you know, here in the, here in the U S between the two to do groups. And I do, I think we'll get there sooner than later, hopefully reasonable minds will prevail and uh, we'll come up with a solution that, you know, serves all parties
1: yeah well like for example france um and i don't know the names of the agencies but basically the regulating bodies in france took the lead and resolved the conflict and basically created parameters by which the carriers and the the airlines basically agreed on a set of deployment standards and so when the carriers deploy around airports they have some limits and they know what those limits are and they agreed to them so the regulating agency in france for example basically drove a consensus out of the parties that were concerned. And so, you know, that's my takeaway where we sit right now is I think the onus sits on the FCC, the FAA, the Department of Transportation, those federal regulating agencies, they need to step up and they need to make this resolution happen. And I think ultimately, in my opinion, You know, I don't know. I've seen engineering studies from both sides and I can't necessarily, they're probably both wrong, right? They probably both have some biases in them that the real answer is somewhere in the middle. And that's not unusual. That's the regulating agency's job to do is to figure out where that middle ground is. And I really think it's, it's incumbent on the FCC, the FAA department of transportation, these other regulating, regulating agencies to get this resolved and come up with a specific plan to get it resolved, I haven't seen or heard a whole lot from them right now no, and I'm looking FAA, forward to hearing from them.
0: Yeah. The FAA made some statements I did see on their website this morning, um, you know, about what this was on Thursday from last week. Um, they've cleared about 60%, I think. So they're working to figure out, you know, what to do. I do think it's it, we should move the technology forward. That's my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting. I know that you were telling me earlier that, concessions were made when spectrum was freed up for the past people who owned it. Mm -hmm. Definitely in this one, they didn't do that. Uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. For example, 600, 700 megahertz. There was UHF TV stations using that. So the folks that bought that spectrum were responsible for paying for relocation of those TV channels to new, to new frequencies and, or giving those stations compensation to basically go off the air. Like nothing like that happened this time. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, I think it's a good topic. I'm glad we revisited. Um, I have my first flight next week uh, of 2022 and hopefully it's successful. <laughs> You're right. I, I get on an airplane uh, feeling comfortable with, with it. I don't have any fears around it, you know, in the technology. And uh, I do look forward to 2022 and what it brings for all of us.
1: Yeah. Likewise. I, I do feel confident this will get resolved. I think uh, calmer heads will prevail and and we just need to look to our leaders to make that happen. So, all right, well, great. Hopefully this helps everybody um, keep reaching out. Love the feedback that gives us uh, gives us the feedback that uh, we know what you want to hear about. So uh, until, uh, until then either the next flash pod or launch of season two coming in a few weeks, we look forward to, uh, to what, what the year brings.
0: Yep. Thanks Dan. See you. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye.